0: Right hook podcast. Make business sense on the road with the Mitsubishi Outlander business. The two seater SUV with low BIK, 200 euro VRT and a five year warranty. Mitsubishi Motors.ie.
1: Now, they say every day is a school day. I'm literally in news talk a few minutes and I've discovered. Google Docs, Google Docs, and I'm sitting here in wonderment. How did I not know about Google Docs? As someone who considers himself fairly technically savvy, and as someone who runs two, not one, but two production companies, how have I survived without this wonder of the modern world? Literally, I sat looking at my screen as the words in front of me changed. I felt like Charlie standing in the middle of the chocolate factory. Although don't ask me to explain what Google Docs is, I haven't a baldy. I'm not that good. So, the production team asked me earlier on when I came in. What did you do for your bank holiday weekend? Well, my bank holiday weekend, like most, consisted of work. That's the joys of being self-employed. Saturdays, as usual, I was over in TV3 bright and early for Saturday AM. Sunday consisted of, as it does every Sunday, with the kids and the family and cooking the Sunday dinner. Now, I'm wondering, am I like all the other self-employed people out there who wince at the mention of, oh, it's great, there's a long weekend coming up, I can't wait for the bank holiday weekend, because I feel like I'm missing out on stuff. Well, am I? I'd love to know what you did this weekend. Make me jealous. Were you eating seafood down in Kinsale? Were you surfing up in Donegal? Or were you living it up at one of the many, many festivals around the country? Go on. Make me jealous. Now, Speaking of food and restaurants, a mate of mine texted me earlier on this afternoon. And he asked me, he said, Simon, can you recommend a good restaurant that's open in Dublin city centre tonight for dinner? And I thought, well, that's a bit strange. Why, does he just want a recommendation? And I texted him back. I said, why? What kind of food are you looking for? He said, no. He said, we've tried five and they're closed. Yes, they're closed. Now, this is this man's 26th wedding anniversary. He wants to bring his wife out tonight. And he's tried five restaurants Now I'm not going to name them Although I might Although they are pawing at the glass In front of me here Saying Don't do it So I won't mention them So I want you to help him out Can you text us at 53106 Or tweet me at Simon's a esquire And let me know Of any restaurants That are open tonight In Dublin Now I'm not a businessman But I can't understand Why any restaurant Will be closed On a bank holiday Monday Why is that? Anyone else out there Having the same problem? Do we know any good ones That are open? Or is the real story here That my mate left it at the very day of his anniversary to book the dinner tonight. Good man Porik. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh there's a spike apparently in sixty five year olds on the dole. Yes, you heard me right. There's a spike in sixty five year olds on the dole. Um, they've been getting dole payments that they don't yet qualify for the state pension. The rules changed at the start of 2014, which means that people now do not qualify for the state contributory pension until they reach 66. Age Action has called for changes to the rules in order to ensure that older people do not have to claim the dole. What are your thoughts on that? Let us know at 53106. (laughs) I read a story over the weekend. This made me giggle. And then I stopped giggling and realised here. Um, A newlywed couple in the UK, they wrote to a guest who attended their wedding saying that the £100 gift that they gave them was not enough and that they should readjust the amount accordingly the guest said that the couple wrote we were surprised that your contribution didn't seem to match the warmth of your good wishes on our big day in view of your own position which presumably means they have a few bob if you wanted to send any adjustment it would be thankfully received well needless to say this caused great debate out in the office because we were sort of I was asking members of the production team what's the average now what, what would be the average you'd hand over at a wedding and there were various uh, guesses from 100 to 150 to 200 euro and I've even noticed it with because uh, I have four kids that uh, cash now for Christmas for, for birthday presents we had an year old at a birthday present birthday recently and the, the most common present was a few bob and a card what do you think what is the average that you should give and what about single people what are you giving single people do you double it if you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend do you double it if you're married oh it's murky waters murky waters Texas us at 53106 let us know what you think you can tweet me at Simon Laney ESQ also it's National Girlfriends Day Michael yeah exactly what in the name of holy moly is national girlfriends day if you do know what that is because i haven't a clue can you please let us know
0: the right hook with the new mitsubishi outlander seven seater automatic with sporty paddle shifters for super smooth gear changes at your fingertips mitsubishimotors.ie
1: now the olympic games begin in rio with the opening ceremony this coming friday I read an interesting piece in the Irish Times today by Brian O'Connor who suggested that nobody he knows is looking forward to the Olympics. But with all the recent doping controversies, is it possible to put all that aside and still enjoy the spectacle of the games? Well, to discuss this, I'm joined now by former Olympian Jerry Kiernan. Welcome to the programme, Jerry. Hello, Simon. How are you? I'm very well. So the hullabaloo starts on Friday, Jerry. The obvious thing to ask you is will you be watching and enjoying the Olympics over the next month or so?
2: Um, not alone will I be watching I will be on RTE for the opening ceremony and you ask me um you asked me I I looking forward to it uh, I can't wait
1: a lot of people though Jerry feel the way that Brian do I mean reading Brian's article he's saying you know that the Olympics is supposed to be the greatest show on earth, and you know no doubt we'll see records broken and I have to be honest I mean. I'm not looking forward to it as much as I usually w- usually would be. Um, I th- I, it's it's, it's, it's been tainted, and Everybody you
2: know. says that, and then they finish up watching, and it was the same four years ago. I mean, the amount of people I said I'm not going to be watching the games, and London was an astonishing success. There won't be too many world records broken in the Olympics simply because it is it is competition time rather than you tend to get world records mm-hmm. uh, um, in in one off meetings. Uh, but when you have heats and semi-finals and finals, uh, you, you rarely do get world records. But look, at I know Brian. Brian is a wonderful uh, writer, and he writes irreverently, and he has a he has an enviable turn of phrase. And I would always read uh, his columns. I mean, he's a horse racing reporter uh, for staff, but sometimes he just goes into other sports, and he, he's terrific. But that's his. I mean, that's his viewpoint, and he has a column, and so people read the column, and. Simon, so, mean, people tend to accept what they read in the newspaper, they tend to accept what they hear uh, on the radio, but if I had been writing that column, I would have been writing about my collection of friends, my circle of friends who simply can't wait. I was in a coffee shop this morning down in Ranola and everybody there was talking about the Olympics because they know that one of the girls I coach is involved and they can't wait. And then I crossed the road into a betting office, there was four other losers in there besides myself and all <laughs> they were talking about was the Olympics as well. So I guess with these columns and particularly with whatever way you feel about these things it all depends who's writing these things
1: but you have to admit though jerry that it has been it hasn't been a great 18 months two years even more for the olympics and it it has tainted it more than would you say london
2: well well it's not the olympics as such it is sport because Mm -hmm. what we're what we're what we're finding out now as a result of whistleblowers uh what we're finding out is what has been going on for an awful an awful long time so i mean I mean, for me, there is nothing new here. I mean, I mean the same charges that you would level at, at Rio, they existed uh, for London, they existed for Beijing, <coughs> they exist, exist for Athens, and they existed for Sydney and long before that. But, um, but I mean, will... in my Olympics in 84, um, uh, Mark Devanio was thrown out for the 10K and the guy who actually won the 10K admitted a year later that he was blood doping and blood doping was, al- was allowed back then. It was frowned upon, but it was allowed. No. Now it is illegal. So it depends on what you're actually talking about. We are now, through social media and through whistleblowers, we're now having a greater idea of what's actually happening. And it might seem strange, Simon, mm. but things are an awful lot things are an awful lot better now for athletes. Uh, than they used to be. You just look at the world of records. All the world of records are from 10, 15 20, 30 years ago. Nobody is coming close to them now.
1: I watched a documentary recently, Jerry, and it was it, it was a documentary in the BBC that it was about the doping scandal but it was more about the effect that it had on the athletes themselves. And one of the things that they discovered was that the first generation of bodybuilders, etc, in the 80s they're now, the research has now come full circle and they're able to see what the side effects are on these athletes. And it was utterly frightening and terrifying. It,
2: it, you're right, Simon. It is frightening. But it's the same attitude that exists among <coughs> people who start smoking at a young age. They never, think, uh, they never think of the future. We're getting to learn about American footballers, particularly the linebackers. Uh, uh, they're in a bad way as a result of all the contact. We're going to see in about 20 years' time the effect <laughs> That all of these uh, these contexts, particularly in rugby, what is going to be like in ten or twenty years' time when people who are retiring now are complaining of headaches and they're doing and they're doing things that are that are out of character. Again, uh, there is nothing new there. Just because you see these things on television and you look at a documentary and you think this is the first time, this is a, this is a, it's only your first experience of it, but it's always been there.
1: So, with the Olympics upon us on Friday, Jerry, what is it? Mostly, you're looking forward to what events should we be looking out for, and and in particular, in terms of Irish interest, Jerry, what should we we be getting excited about?
2: Right, you've got Bolt versus Gatlin. That's Manichaean. That's that's good versus evil, yes. almost. <laughs> you've got you've, you've got Mo Farah against the Kenyans and the Ethiopians. You've got David Rodisha, the world record holder for the 800 meters. Over on the girls' side, you have got Casta Samanya, who's coming who's going to be the real controversial figure of the games because she is intersex. And the debate is whether she should actually be running in the 800 metres. In fact, 800 metres first, second and third can be dominated by intersex athletes. You've got Daphne Shippers from Holland. She's up against Sally Ann Fraser, uh, Fraser Price. You've got Genzebe de Barba. Her coach was dragged out of a hotel <clears> by <throat> the police in Spain a couple of, months, uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, EPO uh, in tow so we don't know whether she's going to appear there or not you've got Fanula Britain uh, on the RSI, you've got Mark English Thomas Barr Rob Heffernan probably our best chance of a medal and the girl like coach Kier uh, McGean but you have I mean every event that you have on the Athletic Programme uh, I see um, I see things like, for example, in the women's hammer, I see the, the, the Polish woman, Vladarczyk up against Betty Heidler. This was going to be a great clash as well. It, 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 it's not the most glamorous of sports, but, it's, but what I've learned over the years is is anybody who wins a medal uh, at the Olympics, um, you can actually conflate their level of happiness, whether you're Usain Bolt, who wins the 100-metre gold, and he's the fastest man in the world, and he's delighted, or whether somebody wins the discus. Their joy is equal, and I take great pleasure in all these competitions. So, unlike Brian, who probably won't <laughs> be watching,
1: I sure will. You'll be glued, but, uh, I mean, if you, if you, there's lots to get excited about, Jerry. but if you do take away all the, the bluster, and as you say, the specific turn of phrase that Brian tends to use in his articles, will you genuinely be able to sit and watch all of these events and say to yourself, yeah, they're clean? Well, I'll tell
2: you what, I'll tell you what, Simon. I've, McGee- I've, I've Keira again the, in the 1500 metres and I look at her potential rivals. Yeah. There's only one person there that I think is somewhat dodgy. Right. If she gets beaten, I think she'll generally be beaten by girls who are actually better than her on the day. OK,
1: well listen Jerry. we are getting excited about it, We're all, we look forward to it on Friday, My enjoy family. the Olympics and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme
0: That's The Right Hook with the new Mitsubishi Outlander 7 Seater Automatic with sporty paddle shifters for super smooth gear changes at your fingertips MitsubishiMotors.ie
1: uh, Today kicks off World Breastfeeding Week 2016 the aim of this week is to improve low breastfeeding rates in Ireland and increase mothers' awareness of the long term health benefits of breastfeeding an infant. Joining me in the studio, I'm delighted to say, is independent midwife Philomena Canning. Philomena, how are you? I'm very well. Thanks, You're just Phil. in from the garden. Yes, exactly. And all the bins are done. <laughs> <laughs> so you spent your weekend gardening. <laughs> I
3: did.
1: Philomena, let's start off with the obvious question Why is it so important to have a World Breastfeeding Week?
3: It's important to focus everybody's minds on uh, a very important issue. And um, as you say, there, the theme of this year's um, breastfeeding week is um, sustainable and uh, pardon me, development, which is about the three C's, ecology, economy and equity and the link between those and um, breastfeeding. And uh, it gets us basically to think about uh, the fact that breastfeeding isn't only the cornerstone of a child's healthy development. Mm-hmm. It's also um, f- uh, f- a f- a f- the foundation of a country's development. So that's a very significant um, sort of focus for us, particularly in Ireland. You think the it's the closed. foundation
1: of a country's development?
3: Well, absolutely, because of mm. the links between breastfeeding mm-hmm. and the economy, equity and um, It's uh, a very big it, statement. It, it is, and and uh, that's what's um, that's the theme of this year's... Um,
1: <clears throat> Why do you think Philomena, that we continue to have such low breastfeeding rates in Ireland? Because as a father of four, and having spent time in, in maternity hospitals you know the awareness is there mm-hmm. they do i wouldn't say push it but they you know they're not the awareness is there for mothers the benefits of breastfeeding but why are the rates still so low
3: the rates are low for 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 two reasons really it's at two levels um you have systematic, There we have systematic barriers to breastfeeding. Which are? And th- those are, you look first and foremost at our healthcare services and how they're organised. We focus our resources in central, centralised uh, hospitals um, as opposed to um, Investing in community-based services. Mm-hmm. So, women, you find are going into the hospitals today. They're they have maybe two two days in a hospital after they've given birth. They're sent home, and they're getting you know on average um, one visit from a public health nurse uh, for their postnatal care. That's right. There's no support there uh, when women run into difficulties. Um, but is there
1: no support there in terms of general childcare, or is it just specifically with breastfeeding?
3: Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's across the board for mm. us here in Ireland because we focus our resources on centralised hospital mm. services, but um, there's also barriers in employment, uh, there's barriers in childcare, and then at the very at the personal level, there's like you say there's um um. Education is becoming better. But for Mm -hmm. example, we have no education in our schools um, targeting children from a young age about breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Um, The social norms are like based on bottle feeding. Mm -hmm. So we have a culture of bottle feeding that is reinforcing and undermining the self belief and self confidence of women in breastfeeding um, there's poor, poor you, you know we have we have no like the key the priority is the lack of community uh, level support systems and also you have poor family and uh, you know social support you've also women feeling embarrassed as a result of all of that and, and, all that, of and it,
1: that's still that's still relevant you know Mothers being embarrassed. I spoke to a, a friend recently who said she was breastfeeding her child in a in a local coffee shop, and the child was she was trying to get him to feed, and he was upset. And he was crying and roaring, as newborns do mm-hmm. when they when they're hungry. Mm-hmm. And two uh, women of a, an older generation behind her quite loudly said, "Would they? Would she not just give him a bottle? He's starving."
3: Yeah, and that is the pro- that is a major problem. It's still it's- there. What? What? But why are people so prudish? Still about it, Philomena? Well, I think that, um, you know, like Mm. I said, you know, we're not exposed to it. You know, it's 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 not not the norm. It's not the norm. And, um, you know, and bottle feeding is uh, in our culture since the 60s. And so, you know, that would be a complaint that a lot of women would have is that they don't have the support within family Mm. and within their social network. Older women, for example, did Exactly. So you do it that way. Exactly.
1: So would you be against bottle feeding?
3: Well, um, or would you like, advise against it? I would advise against bottle feeding, with the exception, obviously, of uh, you know where there are medical indications mm-hmm. for it. But unless there are medical indications, uh, then uh, ex- exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months of life is 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 uh, you know the advice for everybody else. Otherwise. Because
1: because talk us through the benefits of breastfeeding a child through the first six months. what, what are the benefits to breastfeeding?
3: Well, to, to just understand where they arise from, um, a newborn baby, when at, at birth, there are junctions in the gut that are open normally and naturally at birth, and the colostrum, which is the first milk, is has um um a, a, a protective effect on the on mm-hmm. the on the gut, and uh, those uh, junctions don't close for a number of weeks. Now, you give one uh, formula feed of um. Foreign, uh, foreign proteins yeah. that are in formula uh, the impact of just one formula feed is that those junctions remain open for a longer period of time uh, the permeability of the gut is increased so that you get a leakage of proteins through the junctions mm. and also uh, pathogens that are associated with allergies etc. So um, the, you look then at the evidence on uh, the benefits of breastfeeding versus uh, bottle feeding And it's very, very clear, very, very strong. Uh, There's uh, strong links between uh, gastrointestinal infections with uh, not breastfeeding. Uh, Hospital admissions in the first year of life are uh, increased uh, when you compare the two groups. Uh, Childhood childhood obesity is also an issue for children who are not breastfed and sudden infant death. So uh, also... Uh, for babies that are uh, breastfed, f- for example, for uh, three months, have uh, more than a 30% reduced risk of developing um, type 1 diabetes in, in later life. And then you look at the benefits for women. <coughs> woman. Uh, there's associations with breast cancer, ovarian cancer. They lose weight more quickly. They have longer infertility. So there's space between their children. So, But,
1: but there, is, there is the issue. I mean, that you spoke earlier on about, you know, maybe given the medical conditions, you know, yes. a child can't be breastfed. Yes. But that also comes down to the mother as well, because some mothers can't breastfeed.
3: Well, this is the whole question is what I'm saying is why that's what we have to look at. Why are women uh, believing that they're not breastfeed, that they're not able to breastfeed? The evidence shows that, for example, uh, a woman's self-confidence and self-belief in her ability to breastfeed has a very significant impact. But
1: they shouldn't feel bad about it if they can't breastfeed, surely.
3: Absolutely, and women should not, because you know we have to be aware that of the barriers that exist. So we can't blame women for not breastfeeding. We have to take responsibility as a nation for the lack of support, the lack of resources that have been invested in it, and uh, we've had the a, lack of support that's that's there for women.
1: We've had it. We're obviously getting a reaction, uh, Philomena Sorke texted in to say, getting breastfeeding established is a lot harder than it's stated. I failed, in inverted commas, at breastfeeding, but my 10-year-old daughter is healthy, happy, and has never had an antibiotic in her life. Live and let live, I say.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but um, you know, we, we can't ignore uh, the evidence uh, on the benefits mm-hmm. of breastfeeding, and we must get that message out. People have the right to make uh, their own informed decisions mm-hmm. and, and
1: that requires the education and the knowledge being put out there and the support systems and support also systems,
3: yeah. uh, to in, enable women
1: In terms of support systems Philomena I mean you know down to the fact of the places where you can feed your child if you're out
3: Yes They don't exist Exactly Some exactly, places they do
1: exist but some places when they first came in they had, them in this, they had a nappy changing facility and a feeding facility which they can't be in the same place Yes, you of know. course, absolutely, and we've copped That's down to right, that. Now I yeah. spent a lot of time in the states, and I've seen that develop into, you know, that the feeding areas in airports—they're like first-class lounges now. Yeah. you know, they're air-conditioned yeah. rooms, and yes, you know, that it yes. seems to be getting better. Is it yes. still? Does it still? Is there room for improvement still in Ireland in terms very, very of facilities?
3: Much, very, very much. So we have the lowest breastfeeding rates in Europe. So we have a long way to go. We have a, a lot of hard work to do here yeah. to try and increase our rates. And that is the thing, like I said, you know, starting with school, yeah. uh, education and pregnancy, exposing women to... Uh, you know, um, those who have succeeded in breastfeeding, reinforcing that message in mm-hmm. woman's uh, capacity and ability to breastfeed. All of that is very, very important. And yeah. seeing so that the end result of that is that we see women out in public and we are encouraging women and being in supported. restaurants and coffee shops and everywhere. And instead of the two women, uh, you know, giving out, giving out <laughs> you have two women sitting there instead saying, fantastic, good on and you. Good on you. And that's what, somehow or other, we have to. That's the point. And of that's the whole
1: point of, of, of uh, breast breastfeeding week. week yeah. Philomena, I thank you for coming in from the garden and spending time with us. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your bank holiday it's a weekend. Pleasure. All right, you can Thanks, text Sam. us on five three one zero six. We'll be back after these.
0: The right hook with the new Mitsubishi Outlander seven seater automatic with sporty paddle shifters for super smooth gear changes at your fingertips. Mitsubishi Motors.ie.
1: But now we move on to the topic of staycations. Are they really on the up? Well, a tourism report released by uh, Fulch Ireland has suggested that the Irish are starting to holiday at home and an awful lot more. My guest my next guest isn't so sure Hotelier for Park Hotel in Kenmare Francis Brennan welcome to the programme sir how are you tonight I'm very well and you great great. so Francis these figures are telling us that our spending on staycations is up to 939 million euro and that 3.8 million of us took domestic trips last year but you're still not convinced that staycations are more popular than ever
4: well, I'm not saying that now, but what I'm saying is there is definitely an increase of the Irish people leaving the country as well. And mm. i tell you, if you were in Kerry today, you'd be long gone because it is pouring <laughs> cats and dogs since nine o'clock this morning.
1: I have my in-laws are we're, we're, are currently yeah. down in Sneem at the or, moment. Yes, well, they are indeed. They're
4: well watered today, so they Simon, certainly are.
1: Yeah, they're sending me photographs. It looks like a, a rainy season. Yeah, in, no, no, uh, it's, Asia. no, we had
4: a lovely day yesterday, and the, the week was good, but today is just diabolical. The sky is on the ground. But anyway, <laughs> allowing for that to be and um, not the norm. All right, exactly. Um, staycations. Yeah, there had there was a, a, an increase over the last number of years when things were tighter, where people would take a few days here and a few mm. days there rather than going abroad. But I have travelled quite a bit this year. Now I was in India and I was in in. Uh, and I was Mm -hmm. in London a couple of times and I noticed on the planes because you can always see things I can see things really quick that the planes were full with foreign people and of course Mm. the numbers are up like up to 18% for North Americans and up 11% from mainland Europe coming into Ireland for Mm -hmm. this year so there is a big increase in people coming into Ireland okay, which are filling the available space right we mm-hmm. are we are having a very busy year here this year as it happens right mm-hmm. um, but our Irish business would be down for the high season now not really? maybe in, yeah not for April and uh, May
1: and what do you put that down to Francis
4: because I think they're probably going abroad really? I think We've had a lot, the weather wasn't good last summer from, from about 8 July and August, it wasn't great. And people probably just said, listen, with a little few more bob in our pockets, things have eased up a little bit. There's people spending a few bob, which they are, our turnover will be up considerably. Uh, so perhaps maybe we'll sneak it for the first time in three or four years, we'll go abroad.
1: But on the flip side of that, Francis, do you think that they're going away because it's become more and more expensive to stay here?
4: Um... I think Ireland uh, offers very good value for money, depending on what level you're moving at. Okay, mm-hmm. If you're moving at a five-star level around Ireland, it's very good value, Ireland mm-hmm. per se, because you'd be paying eight or €900 Euros for the room in New York.
1: But let, but yeah, well, let's face it, though, Francis, the majority of us aren't going around no, at a five-star level. No. So if you took me as an example uh, with the uh, four kids, yeah. we recently priced a trip uh, abroad. And the flights alone were 1600 euro because I have to get five seats. Yeah. Even though three of the kids end up sitting on my lap for the flight. I know. Um, But then we priced, we started pricing places around the country. And I have to say that the gap between some of the prices were frightening. I mean, yeah. it would have been cheaper to go to, to Spain no, or Portugal.
4: No, I, I wouldn't disagree with you, but of course, there is only, you know, like the west coast of Ireland in, in places only get a six-week season. Mm-hmm. They get from about maybe the 15th, 20th of July until the end of August, okay? And even at that, there's another issue because the government have changed return dates to schools and they're all going back now much earlier in August, like they could be going back on the twenty fifth of August this year. That's right here, right. okay, thank God, Francis. Yeah, well, no, no. no <laughs> this to tell you, this is, that twenty fifth of August is a Thursday, so that That's week is right, a wipeout yeah. for staff for, for family holidays. So, in reality, the month of August, when it should be a five week holiday period for the hotel business, which it always traditionally was, mm-hmm. is only a three week holiday period this year. So, yeah. people have to cram everything in now from the 20th of July till, say, the 20th of August. I see it here, Saturday on the calendar in front of me. And they have to cram in. So, naturally, the price goes up because the demand is huge for that particular six weeks. So, I can I understand, you but you can go, you can get terrific value. Dream Ireland, I see them there advertising houses for 185 and three day breaks and five day breaks, depending on what you want, from 185 euros in a three bedroom house. I don't think you get that anywhere in the world as good at the level of quality that we have.
1: No, that's a good point. I, I, on the but fli- of
4: course, it's off season. Do you know what I mean?
1: Well, that's true. On, on the flip side, you, you were saying that you know, foreign people seem to be seeing Ireland as a destination break. I mean, does that is that telling us that Falls Ireland are doing a great job in attracting in attracting visitors from overseas?
4: Well, I would say they they certainly have seem to have hit the hit the right spot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're, what They 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 they're, they're attracting them very well. Now there's a couple of reasons. Okay, first of all, there's a security reason. all right? People won't go. To a lot of Americans, the American numbers are up, I just see here now, until the end of May, are up 18% arrivals. A lot of that will be driven, Simon, by people that are just not anxious about going to Paris and going to London and going to urbanisations large where there might be trouble. And they will consider Ireland to be a very, very safe destination.
1: Well, that's, and that, that, and that goes for Irish people too when they're planning their holiday. They're going to stay at home because there is such, there's such a varied amount of options in terms of holidays in yeah. Ireland, France. Well,
4: you know, yeah, until the end of May, 418,000 visitors extra came to Ireland. Now, say the average stay is three or four nights. That could be 1.2 million bed nights. Do you know what I mean? It's a huge increase in in space on the ground. Now, there's another situation here, which I was talking about recently, uh, uh, something or other. Um, This Airbnb, which, you know, is is an issue that people are talking about at the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dublin is jammers, all right? Mm -hmm. And I believe uh, at the moment that if we didn't have Airbnb in Dublin, we wouldn't have half the number of people in the country because if they couldn't get into Dublin for a few days, they won't go to visit Kerry and they won't visit Galway and they won't visit Donegal. Do you know what I mean? If, they, if I'm sitting in Milwaukee and I want to go and I try to get into Dublin and I'm travelling at, say, I'm just talking about, say, a five-star level or whatever, mm-hmm. Shelburne, the, the what do you call it, the Merion or the Western, that sort of level, okay? Mm-hmm. If I can't get a room in Dublin, I go to Edinburgh or I go to, you know, somewhere else, all right? As opposed and
1: to going they, to Cork or Galway yeah. or, oh, yeah, or Kerry.
4: They don't go there first. But when they come to Dublin, they'll come here for a few days. Hmm. But they never think of flipping it that they might come into Shannon and stay here for a few days down here. And then why,
1: why is that? Is the message not getting out there?
4: No, no. I just it's like everything. I don't know much about Peru. Only Lima. Do you know well, what I that's mean? that's true. Yeah. Like, and if I'm going to Lima I, 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 and it's full, and someone says go to Guatlegu, which is a town. Mm -hmm. 300 miles away. Well, I never heard of it, all right? So, am I really going to go there? So, there's an element of capital city destination that brings people into a country. And if we didn't have Airbnb in Dublin, all right, we would be not, I would say we'd lose a considerable amount of business because Dublin just does not have the space, particularly in July and August.
1: You know, as you can well imagine, Francis, we're getting. a lot of reaction to this on the tax line at 53106. And, of course, people are giving us in examples now. For example, I was priced €380 Euro for two people for two nights in Kinsale in July. I'd be better off going to Spain.
4: Yeah, you would. But you wouldn't get the standard of, of accommodation in Spain at 380 for two people. Let me tell you. I'm telling you now. No, that's very true. You know, and uh, 380 for two people, bed and, I presume it's bed and breakfast. So that's about 150 190 a night. hmm I wouldn't consider that expensive if you're in a a quality unit in the month of July.
1: Phil says the problem with holidaying in Ireland, Francis, is the price of lunch. You can manage breakfast and yeah. even early bird dinner menus yeah. but try to get a decent lunch for a family for decent yeah. value no, can I and you've it? no chance.
4: I wouldn't disagree with that gentleman at all. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with them, all right, insofar as if you go into a restaurant with you, how many children do you say you have, Simon? Three or four? Whatever four. Four. Yeah. four. Well, well when four
1: when I, I left the house this morning, Francis. <laughs> I'll check when I go back.
4: <laughs> yourself and your wife, uh, you know, that's six people and it is not cheap to take them in for lunch and Ireland is a little short. My brother, John, you know, he's here with me too, he mm-hmm. always says, Ireland doesn't have enough restaurants to have your tea in at 4 o'clock yep. Ian, what he means by that is where you get something like for 12.50 or like for a, a, a three course meal or something like that there's nothing like that in Ireland we just but, don't have it as, as a as kind of a style
1: but Francis we, we were away recently and we were we were in a hotel at lunchtime and we were being charged 13 or 14 euro for, for a sandwich for a panini
4: yeah
1: now I, we did six of us plus my oh, two yeah. sisters I in. Mean, yes yeah, stop you know, Anyway, another fellow texts in here and says, I'm at the end of a two week break from work, two adults and two children. The second week, we spent seven days in Lake Garda in Italy. The first week, we spent four days in Kerry. It was right. more expensive than the seven days in Lake Garda, even with the flights. It's a rip off for Public Two. Next year, it'll be two weeks in Italy for us.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I know. well. you see, if you, if if you get a package that works well for you, that's all right? right.
1: Yeah, it's hard you know. to beat it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Hard.
4: No, listen, it's hard to beat. But then, are you listening to me now? Yeah, I'm only back from Corfu yesterday. All
1: mm, right. Well, for you, mean, you me back on the No, night? I was
4: working. I was working. I didn't see the sun once. All right. I, uh, well, you
1: still went to the gift shop. You could have brought me something, <laughs> something small,
4: even a token, anyway, gesture. Anyway, listen to this. Listen to this. <laughs> yeah. right. this was very interesting. I had dinner on Tuesday night with a group of people in a yeah. restaurant, and there was a waitress, and nice I scoured served me. We were chatting a little bit. I went back the last night because my flight was at eleven o'clock and I went in for a bite at five uh, for me tea as well as at five o'clock, right? (laughs) And I was the only one the restaurant in this there. She has a a degree in engineering and she's Greek and she lives from the mainland but she works on the islands in the summer. She is 26 years of age. She works seven days a week, okay, in the summer. She runs two jobs but the job, the restaurant job, pays her 640 euros a month for seven days a week, right? For four weeks, right?
1: Holy
4: moly. Yeah. She pays now. On that, she only pays sixteen percent tax. Which I was asking her, okay,
1: mm-hmm.
4: right? Now the, the flip side, a little bit, is that she rents a room in a house for one hundred and twenty euros a month, which is nothing, all right. right. So her accommodation. But she works for seven days a week for, four, seven, for twenty-eight days for six hundred and forty euros, and she's charged sixteen percent tax on it. She said, right? right. So it's, it's easy to have cheap food if that's the price. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, be, yeah. Like here, it'll be €600 Euros per week. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah you know? Yeah. Well, and you the, can see where that €14 Euro for the sandwich builds up. You know what yeah, I mean?
4: Yeah, no, no. I, it's not that we're all making a fortune on no, it. No, no, Actually, the whole secret of life is to be an Airbnb, where you give them a bed, charge them a fair price, and say, go in now and leave me alone. Go downtown for your dinner. Go downtown <laughs> for your lunch. I would be a billionaire 10 times over if I didn't carry... Like, I have 17 <laughs> staff working in the, in the kitchen, right? Yeah. I have 11 staff working in the restaurant, Right. And, you know, it's not, it's not a cheap exercise, I can tell you, okay? But if I was in Greece, I'd be, I'd be laughing all the way to the bank. So there's pluses and minuses on all sides, right? The man that went to Italy, I don't disagree with him, and no. he can eat quite cheaply in Italy, all right? Although I would have thought over around the Lake District would be, ex- or the, the lakes in Como would be expensive, I would have thought, all oh. right? But I suppose like everything, there's little pensiones and things like that. And you know, another thing too, where the sun shines, It's easy to sell a property. No, absolutely.
1: And listen, just to make you feel a little bit better, there were calls today to increase the the minimum wage.
4: Oh, yeah. I heard that this morning on the news when I was driving in, actually. Yeah, I did hear (laughs) that. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Well, they were talking about ten cent. Something I didn't think it was too much.
1: Oh, well, with seventeen and eleven, it, it yeah. all adds oh, up. Oh, yeah, no, it? yeah, no,
4: it does, it does. I, but there wouldn't be all. There'd be very few of them on minimum wage. Let me tell you, Unf- <laughs> unfortunately, no, fortunately, because they're all great staff. I have a great staff. But fra- you know, but we're lucky here in Kenmare. We, John and I, because we kind of have a brand. John Brennan and yes. Francis Brennan, and we get little premium, and we also get people know us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And we are lucky in that respect. So we do. I always say the Lord, because. I never did any television until I was 54 and that was in 2004, all right? So, I always say the Lord gave me a television show when the recession hit (laughs) because he knew I needed the help. No, I'm I'm not
1: joking. uh, God bless him for it.
4: Yeah, no, (laughs) absolutely. I thought, oh God, the Christian brothers, they taught me all my religion and i I should be thankful (laughs) to them now.
1: Well, listen, Francis Brennan, uh, Hotelier for Park Hotel in Camera, it's been a pleasure talking to you. One little thing before you go, Francis. Next time you go away.
4: Bring us back a bit of rock or something. Right, right a stick a rock from, from Corfu. You're a you be looking at me for the stick rock. But anyway, <laughs> good man. been a pleasure, Francis. Thanks
1: for, Frances, thanks for bye, joining bye, us. Bye. There he goes, Francis uh, Brennan.
0: The right hook with the new Mitsubishi Outlander seven-seater automatic with sporty paddle shifters for super smooth gear changes at your fingertips. MitsubishiMotors.ie
1: Now, four separate attacks in four different locations around Germany in the past couple of weeks have led to questions being raised about whether the open-door policy is still a positive move for Germany, given the recent string of violence, an axe attack in northern Bavaria, a shooting at a shopping centre in Munich, a machete assault in Reutlingen, and a bombing in Ansbach. The mood of the people must be extremely low. To discuss this, I'm joined on the line by Kate Connolly, Germany correspondent with The Guardian. Kate, thanks for joining us on the show.
5: You're very
1: welcome. Kate, where does Angela Merkel's open-door policy stand today? Because, you know, when she announced it, it was greeted with much celebration and parties in Munich. And now, a year or so down the line, where is, where is it at now?
5: Well, uh, we, we had a very interesting press conference with Merkel on Thursday um, that was uh, brought forward by about a month. She came out of her holiday um uh, to attend that uh, it's a regular event that she takes uh, that takes place um every summer and last summer you will recall she used the phrase We'll manage it. "Wir um, uh, schaffen Schaffendas is the German phrase. Mm. And uh, that became the kind of the byword for everybody who was doubting whether her refugee policy could work. Mm. Now, a year on, she said, we will still manage it. She said it is a historical task that we face. She said she had no plans to um, shut Germany's borders. And in fact, I mean, the, even the phrase open door policy, which is probably not something that actually passes her lips very often, but it is the a phrase that everybody else uses for it. Um, it would be pretty impossible to actually close the 3,000 kilometres of German border. Well, she even said that
1: herself in the the conference or in a TV interview. She said... (laughs) How do you you go about doing that, even?
5: That's it, exactly. So she's basically saying, you know, look, we set about this a year ago. I'm not going to move from this. We are still in the middle of this. You couldn't have expected it to be easy. I said, I never said it would be easy. Now, she was, interestingly, she was asked, did she feel any guilt for the attacks that had happened? Mm. Now, bear in mind, the ones that you listed there Two of those were um, had an Islamist motive, um, and were um, uh, although three of, of the attacks were carried out by Muslims, but uh, of, of those two were people who um, who had been it would appear had the backing of uh, of the group ISIS. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she's basically saying, you know, we need to keep going with this, and there are challenges. I think what people are realising now, though, are how deep and. Wide-ranging, uh, those challenges are. It's not just a case that people come over the border into Germany and they are um, put up in asylum homes and uh, given a medical check and you know told, here you are, you can learn German. That there, the problems are, the challenges are much, much bigger than that. It's the reality those- of it,
1: Kate, that 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 seems to be concerning. The German population, I mean, various people are calling for, they want 25,000 extra school teachers. There's there's police apparently being brought out of retirement. I mean, are are the German public, the normal German public, are are they getting more and more worried about this policy, though?
5: I think the German public, as long as it doesn't affect their everyday lives, that isn't so much the issue. We had last summer a big public outcry after several months of people having given up their sport halls and their schools, and over the summer holidays, a lot of schools were given over uh, to the refugees that were coming in. Um, But in a way, for a lot of people, life has gone back to normal, and as long as people don't feel that they're having to wait longer for a doctor's appointment, that they're not getting school places, that their kids are suffering because there are too many children uh, per, um, you know, the children-teacher ratio is too high. Um, I think where the uh, problems are, we've seen in the last week, is people feeling that they're Personal security is is under threat. If you're considering now, there's a lot of soft targets out there: shopping malls, as we've seen in last week, mm. um, and trains with the axe attack on a train. Now, how do you go about policing and and guarding um, the whole of the German train network when somebody can effectively just get on a small station in a small town? That, well, that's a question. For,
1: it's a question for every European leader, isn't it? Um, exactly. But are these attacks playing into the hands of? the people who are against Merkel and against this policy you know because they're now saying look this is a direct result of when of course it isn't but it's giving them ammunition to take her take her policy down
5: Certainly I mean this is real this is a real chance for the Alternativa for Deutschland this is the group of right-wing populists Mm. who have really Um, challenged uh, Merkel's CDU in the uh, recent elections. Um, uh, Interestingly enough, though, they haven't made um, uh, many gains since these attacks. In fact, what we have seen is a return more to um, uh, Merkel's popularity, which it has to be said, has never Mm -hmm. really suffered all that much, even at the height of the refugee crisis, when people were very concerned about what Germany was taking on. But um, Merkel is Uh, You know, actually people have kind of turned back to her for the solidity Mm. that she offers. We saw it uh, directly after the Brexit vote, which after all, wasn't that long ago that people also thought, hang on a sec, we actually want this safe pair of hands in Angela Merkel. Um, But what we are seeing within the CDU is a bit of a what one might call a bit of an uprising. Uh, There's one particular candidate for the chancellorship in a few years time, I imagine, Mm -hmm. a, a man called Jens Spahn. Um, quite a a, a popular person within the CDU who today was calling and over the weekend calling for a burqa ban. Now, that's new language coming from the CDU. And it does very much feel as if uh, Merkel's CDU, the Christian Democrats, are realizing that they need now to really address some of the concerns of the public over cultural and religious differences um, between themselves and the refugees, and that we might very well see a change in the CDU's policy, but it will not be coming from Angela Merkel herself.
1: do you think Kate that this this policy will be the ruination of her in terms of the election that comes up in, in 2017? do you think her her leadership will will rise or fall on the back of this policy?
5: I think her leadership could very well rise or fall on the back of this um, policy, or I I think rather what what stems from it. I think that um, if if the German authorities can continue to more or less smoothly uh, uh, integrate uh, refugees so that the general public do not feel that it's a disadvantage to them and that they can maybe long-term see the advantages of having um, more people in the workplace at a time when Germany's birth rate is falling, but I think if we were to see a rise in the number of attacks, like we saw in the last mm. week, um, then that could really uh, spell trouble for Angela Merkel when she uh, goes for a fourth term in office. Um, how, so st- how
1: strong is her opposition, Kate? In terms of, you know, they they're they're saying now, as you've said yourself, the attacks on refugee refugee shelters continue on a daily basis. There's there's reports of of, of them gaining momentum. I mean, how strong is the opposition? Are they gaining momentum against her because of this policy?
5: well, i I can't really say that it is. I mean, I think that um she it 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 does seem a surprise to people looking in from the outside. Um, When they think that her population, uh, sorry, her popularity has suffered, that means maybe that she loses now and again a few percentage points, maybe 10 percentage points. But she still has a popularity ratings that Mm -hmm. are extremely um, high compared to other leaders in other countries of Western Europe. And as you said
1: earlier on, Kate, she did receive a lot of kudos from within German, even financial circles, after breakfast, Brexit, the way she, you know, she was very calm. She said, look, we'll just deal with this. It has to be dealt with. You know, is that support still there for her within her own country?
5: I think it is. I mean, she's questioned now, people question now and again, is she doing the right thing? Is this right for our country? But um, seeing her at that press conference on Thursday, she said she was not to be moved. Now, it could well be that, she is maybe welcoming more of a debate within the CDU, within her party, mm. um, as alternative ways of, of looking at how to deal with this. But um, I think that, um, as sad as it might seem, there is really there are very few uh, people who would be alternatives to Angela Merkel mm. as a leader in Germany right now. And uh, those that um, are, this one particular one, Jens Spahn, that I mentioned just mm. now, It will be very, very interesting to see if he manages, for example, to use the momentum of the fear that has certainly um, been gripping Germany in the last few days that we haven't ever seen before, related directly to the refugee crisis, whether he manages to um, gain momentum for any campaign that he might launch to challenge Angela Merkel.
1: In terms of, Kate, in terms of on the ground, and as you referred earlier on, you know, to daily life, I mean... is security becoming more, is it more highly visible on the streets? Are, are are Germans more aware and more nervous than they were 12 months ago?
5: They certainly are. I mean, it's, it's definitely the topic of conversation when you're taking your kids to school or kindergarten. Mm-hmm. People are very concerned about it, wondering what the various scenarios are, um, a, a sense of looking behind your shoulder, um, w- watching out for people who have rucksacks on. Um, When you're getting on a train, uh, you know, looking at the people who are sitting on the train with you, wondering what would happen if there was an incident, how you would react to it. People have that conversation at the moment all the time. I'd say that the security presence is not as big as one seeing the streets of of, uh, French cities and Mm. towns where there's an increased military presence. But there is also a big debate here about how Germany can now police better its soft targets like these shopping malls about whether you might not introduce some sort of army reservist where you'd get civilians to um, also take on the role of guarding uh, certain um, uh, places. Public which which places. has its
1: own pitfalls in itself, doesn't it, Kate? It,
5: it, do, it certainly does. It's going. It's taking things in a very different direction and it's, um, it's something that Germany is very, um, let's say, allergic to because mm-hmm. of its history. Anything that's to do with heightened surveillance, heightened security, um anything that's to do with the debate about whether the german army should be uh, policing the streets whereas the german army in recent decades has uh, been been trying to be building up a more a role as a as a, a a sort of a, a peace uh, mission force um rather than anything that is uh, you know anything that would be to do with causing Causing harm or shooting at people in order to protect um, German civilians.
1: But as you say, Kate, it's it's when it starts, it's when it increases. You know, the change in people's daily lives that that's when that's when they will start questioning the policy themselves. When the normal German citizen starts thinking, you know, is it because of the open door policy that this is, this is our daily lives are changing? And of course, Definitely the opposition right. are playing into their into them
5: the opposition are certainly playing into that but mm. not maybe uh, to to the extent that you might expect because i just think that you know in many ways i mean a, a lot of germans although that it you you do definitely get around refugee homes and as you said there's mm. been um, in the last few months, we've seen a lot of arson attacks. We've seen people, also in the wake of these attacks, delivering uh, leaflets uh, saying that migrants are criminals. Um, we had, obviously, the Cologne attacks um, in January. Uh, this was at the New Year celebrations in Cologne, where a lot of uh, women were uh, molested by um, by men, uh, often or a lot of them of North African origin, um, and that also has unsettled people an awful lot um so i think though it's still the case that the opposition is uh, at at the same time a lot of germans welcome what has happened in germany they say it's a change a positive change for germany um it's not closing its doors that it has an openness that let's face it i mean 70 80 years ago when people were fleeing germany Mm -hmm. now a lot of germans welcome the fact that germany is a place where people come to for protection and i think that Um, actually goes very deep in this whole debate as to how Germans actually view what is going on.
1: Okay, well, that was Kate Connolly, Germany correspondent with The Guardian. Kate, thank you very much for joining us.
5: You're very
2: welcome.
1: We'll be back after these.